Welcome to the Broughton Manor School podcast, where we speak to various people in the school community. In this episode, the very first, we're speaking to head teachers Jeremy and Rachel Smith. We find out something about school, but we also find out about each of them as people, what they're really like when they're at work, and what they like doing at the weekend. I also quiz them on being a pair of head teachers, something that's a touch unusual, and how that works both at school and at home. So if you'd like to discover what they're really like, then come with me now as we step into a conversation with head teachers Rachel and Jeremy Smith. Jeremy, Rachel, welcome to episode one of the school's new podcast. Tell me, how are you both today? Yeah, yeah very good. Very yeah, well, thank, thank you. you. Oh, it's great to have you both here. Uh, we're recording this actually on a, on a Thursday morning, of course. How does a Thursday typically look for you? What, what happens in the world of being a head teacher in a, in a, in a prep school uh, on a Thursday morning? Well, I can start there if you like. We, we've done a bit of car park duty, a bit of meet and greet. We've had a book fair arrive in school just last night. So all the children are busy looking at the stationery and the lovely new book then the prep meeting and a bit of an assembly visit <laughs> now we're here doing this lovely podcast and then the rest of the day will be teaching and probably a lot of emails if I'm honest there's a lot that goes on in school isn't there I mean you know there's a real variety of different things you were talking about there something's happening at the desk something's happening as you're running around school real variety and I imagine variety from one day to the next as well yeah absolutely oftentimes 90% of the jobs that I do on a day are jobs I didn't know when I came in in the morning were going to were going to occur. A meet and greet on the uh, door in the in the morning might lead to a conversation about uh, secondary schools, as it did this morning, you know. And and you can't really prepare for that, so we're always prepared. <laughs> no, I love that. I love that. Um, both of you, then, just give me a brief history for people who are listening, and don't take too long on this, but people who are listening who who maybe don't know much about how long you've been at school for and that kind of thing. Tell us a little bit about how you both got to where you are today. Well, uh, I'll start if that's okay. We've been, uh, I've been a primary school teacher my entire career, so straight from university, straight through teacher training and into primary schools in Northamptonshire. Um, I was lucky enough to get the role of deputy head here at Broughton Manor. In, I began here in 2012, so I've been here ever since then. Took on headship in 2020 as a joint head with Mr. Smith, and that's that's my history of Broughton. I came here a couple of years after that. We actually came from the same school in Northampton. Uh, I was a couple of years later. Uh, I was hired as the head of boys' games. Nine years later, here we are. <laughs> and Jeremy, I'm picking up a bit of an accent there, of course. Tell me a little bit about where you're from originally. I'm from Tucson, Arizona, in the U.S., I've lived here 23 years, though. It, it seems like it's maybe here to stay, the accent. I think it may well be. Here in the UK, we love hearing accents like that, so it's really good to hear that. Now, I'd love to talk about both of you being Mr. and Mrs. Smith and being head teachers at a school. This is a fairly unusual model, I think, in the world of independent prep schools in the UK. Tell me a bit about that. Well, we've worked together really our whole careers, I suppose. We haven't had the same job uh, during that time. But essentially, we are in school. We've got our professional selves. I suppose you'd call it Mr. and Mrs. Smith. But um, yeah, I mean, we're, we talk about work at home, obviously, as, as most people do. We just happen to be talking about the same place of work while we're doing that. Yeah, I mean, I think it works really well in so much as we've got slightly different skill sets. And the, the roles uh, that we have, we've divided to kind of play to those strengths. But that means that in a way you know, Bolton gets the best out of both of us. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. And as, as Jeremy said, we work well together and have done for many, 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 many years. 
Um, and we've managed to sort of divvy up our role so that we know exactly who does what and the staff are very clear on that. And to be really honest with you, you're right about it being an unusual model, but it hasn't been a subject of controversy or even a question, really. I think people see us as heads on the website. You know, they come in and meet us both and the way they go, it's not really something that's been an issue. I think it's a really good point that you've both raised in that people, when they finish their work, if they're not working together, will come home and they'll talk about what happened in their day. But often when they're talking to their spouse about that, the other person doesn't know or understand the context in these different conversations that are being had. They don't know the, the people that their spouse is talking about. Actually, you two do. So that there are real benefits, I imagine, there of being, being, being able to have those conversations where you both understand exactly what each person is talking about. But, but I imagine there might be the downside that you never escape work. I mean, how do, how, how do you make sure that you get downtime as well as work time and get that balance just right? Yeah, that is a tricky question. <laughs> yeah, I mean, essentially, if we, uh, if we minuted every meeting uh, that we had at home, our overtime pay would be in the millions. Um, yeah, I mean, we, we, are, we, are, we do talk about work. But, um, f- you know, for each of us, we have our, our brain break, I suppose. For me, it's sport. Um, you know, we, we do some sport together as well. We play some tennis. Uh, we recently joined pickleball club. I don't know if anybody knows what pickleball is. Um, but we had a good time doing that and we'll probably go back to that again. And for Rachel, she, she's got her singing. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm sure you'll ask her more about that, but I, I suppose it's that opportunity to, to think about nothing for, for a minute. Uh, other than perhaps scoring a goal or you know serving an ace or whatever that sort of thing. I'm, I'm intrigued by pickleball. If I if I if I remember rightly, pickleball is like a where you hold a racket which is smaller than a tennis racket but bigger than a like a table tennis racket. Is that or a table tennis paddle? Is that right? Yeah, it's like a table tennis paddle but slightly bigger. Yeah, it's it's like a real combo of tennis badminton, which is like it uses the badminton size court, and then a tennis net. So it's a combo of those three racket sports. It's really fun. We were introduced to it out in Arizona uh, last April uh, by some buddies of mine, and it is literally the fastest growing sport in America by quite some margin, uh, certainly in Arizona. I don't know why, but people just love it. It's, it's kind of like all the best parts of tennis without chasing the ball around or having to learn how to serve or whatever. It's just the fun part. Is it easier to learn than tennis, though? Definitely. Um, we, we have some brackets and stuff, and... We'd love to have time to start a club here at school because I think the children would really love it. It's a lot of fun. Well, that to me sounds like something else, which is on the agenda, something coming up uh, a bit later at some stage uh, without wanting to do your planning for you. Rachel, tell me about singing. Jeremy's just hinted that you sing. Uh, I'd love to know more about that. Yeah, so right since a very early age, I developed a sort of classical soprano voice from somewhere from within. So right from sort of 13 and onwards, I've been trained as a soprano soloist so I perform on stage at Royal Theatre in Northampton I perform in oratorios and concerts with various choirs and groups that need a soloist quite a lot around Christmas and Easter as you can imagine um it's a passion of mine which I'm really grateful to have kept going all this time and my voice is still the same as it used to be and it's it's great I wouldn't wouldn't lose it for the world but finding that time to do it as much as I'd like to I didn't know you were 13 that's when my voice came out. Really? Yeah, that's when it was wow. covered. <laughs> wow, it's amazing to hear. T- tell me a bit about how you feel when, because to be honest, it would fill me with absolute terror if I was stood on stage and I and I was having to sing in front of various people on my own. And I and I can actually sing, so I'm happy singing in a group. But singing solo would terrify me. 
how do you how do you cope with that yourself? Mm, I guess that's experience having you know the courage of youth that you develop as a teenager. That's kind of what showed me that I could do it and I enjoy doing it. And so I do get nervous. I always get nervous. I'm a real perfectionist, and you have to be with classical music. So I'm, you know I practice a lot and make sure I'm prepared. But those nerves. I usually wear lovely long ball gowns and my legs are shaking underneath, but no one can see that. <laughs> and then it's all about the front, isn't it? And the, the performance skills, which I've obviously developed over all these years. So, yeah, I, I just enjoy it. I wouldn't I wouldn't change it for the world. I think I think it's the, the two minutes just before Rachel goes on <laughs> that I get to see it. And then once once the voice starts, uh, all of that really disappears uh, immediately. And I suppose you're kind of consumed by it you're, that's all you're thinking about in that moment yeah it's brilliant so we've heard about singing we've heard about sport as well what kind of other things do the pair of you get involved in for example during summertime clearly we know that um even though staff in schools do get a, a good summer holiday there is a bit of work that goes on during that time as well but putting that to one side for a moment what kind of things did you both get up to during the summer break i mean we we have our dogs uh, and anybody who owns a dog uh, knows that um, they're a little bit different from, say, a cat or a goldfish in so much as they don't really have an off switch. And so, uh, yeah, our dogs consume large sections of, of our day, uh, certainly in the summer, more of that, which, I, you know, is wonderful. Obviously, spending time with your dog can be incredibly relaxing. Our dog's a little bit less so, but, uh, yeah, we have a lot of fun with them. We, we went away. We had uh, a few days off, four or five days this summer. We went away to Swanage with... Katie, uh, who the children will know as Mrs. Seath, her husband Daniel, and uh, our our granddaughter Maisie. We went to to the beach, had a really good time. Uh, Maisie was a little bit less curious about the beach than than I thought. She she enjoyed the sand, but the sea it overwhelmed. Yeah, a little bit, little bit too only, cold. She was maybe. only seven or eight months old at that point, so it's the first time she'd seen anything. Yeah, enormous as the sea. Dove straight into ice cream though. Ice cream, mm -hmm. on the other hand, was a one hundred percent. Let's have a go. Awesome. Uh, I, I can feel people who've got pets right now and nodding and smiling, especially those with dogs uh, in full agreement with you there. Yeah. Um, yeah. Tell me something about Broughton Manor School. I mean, for people that are listening that don't know the school at all, then how does it actually feel? What kind of a school is it? Tell me a bit about it. It is a lovely family feel school. Everybody comments on that when they first come in and visit. So we've got lots of lovely, lively learning all of the time, uh, what we call a family atmosphere. Because of this nice smaller class sizes, we've got very well-established staff that have been here a long, long time and know the children very, very well. And people come here because the reputation we have is one of nurture and care and well-being of the children, as well as an outstanding education, obviously. <laughs> I think the great thing about Broughton is that the experience is personalised. Um, Rachel and I previously worked at a, a school that had about 1,800 pupils at the time that we were there. And essentially, it was a case where, you know, because of the volume of pupils, the number of different experiences that they were having, it, it was a little bit cookie cutter. Uh, it, it had to be just by the nature of, of the place itself. Whereas what we're doing, each cookie cutter is a different shape slightly. Uh, <laughs> so, you know, we're we're allowing pupils to be curious about, you know, different things we are allowing them to have different skills and, and specialities, to have different needs, challenges. And essentially, the experience that they have is is their own. Uh, I wouldn't imagine that anyone who had spent a lot of time at Broughton and had graduated uh, at the end of year six with us would come back and say the exact same story as somebody else. I, 
it's almost impossible. Some of them would have said, oh yeah, the, you know, the fixtures against, you know, Bedford Modern, that was, that was my favorite time. Other people would say, you know, the art that we did was outrageous and the drama and the music and the, you know, just all of the different experiences that they have while they're here is really what I think makes us special. And on your website, you talk about um, something called up to the minute educational philosophies as well. Tell me a bit about what that what that means. Yeah, I mean, that that's our way of saying we are steeped in tradition, uh, especially with our ethos and values and that sort of thing. But we are very much looking forward to the future with our children. We are future proofing our school and the children and their journey into the, the real world to become a useful contributor to society as an adult and they they learn life skills we give them the skills to be able to do that in line with you know chats with tapestry and their own ethos which we're injecting into our school and into the children as well um so that's really what i meant by that so they're given the uh, the real world as well as the traditional private school feel i think a lot of our recent work as well in growth mindset uh, looking at the the differences between a fixed mindset and a growth mindset, looking at potential for learning and the idea that, in a way, our ideas about success and failure really hold us back from making the progress that we could make. And we have a number of pupils, and I know you'll be speaking to pupils in, in future episodes, but we have a number of pupils that could probably explain the the quite complex theory of growth mindset incredibly well because they understand how the process of, you know, you come back from a fixture and the first question is, did you win, is holding you back from being better next week than the process of saying, what did you learn? You know, was there anything that you think you can approach in a different way in the future? You know, those types of questions allow our students to, you know, just make so much more progress so much more quickly. And I think they're really grasping, they're really understanding those kind of theories, which we've implemented over, you know, the years that we've been heads um, and our staff are very, very good at it. So on that same basis, when children come home from school, they're often asked the question by their parents, how was school today? And children often reply with a single word answer, usually good. And that's kind of often the end of that very short conversation. What sort of questions could parents or should parents be asking in order to get more from their children to find out what actually happened that day? Yeah, abs- oh, that's a great question. You know, what did you learn? What did you find out today? Um, was there anything that you might do differently tomorrow based on what happened today? You know, just the, the, the concept that we're in the middle of a of a great journey rather than each day being the end of something and tell me more that's what i don't hear parents say enough so they'll ask you know how was your day what did you do the usual questions i was on duty at the door yesterday evening and i just heard a little girl talking about black history month about not only the first black person to do this particular thing i didn't hear quite what they were doing um but actually mummy the very first black woman to do it and 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 that would be a beautiful opportunity. And I'm, I think I did hear the parents say, oh, tell me more about it. And I thought, oh, that is my dream right there. <laughs> Not just the content, but the fact that I'm, I'm talking about a little five-year-old, a little tiny, uh, going out of the door, talking to mummy about that learning, about what had inspired them today. And what a wonderful thing, by the way, for, to be inspired by. And then for mummy to engage and talk about it with her. Absolutely brilliant. I think the other thing, you know, that we... Are, are kind of looking towards are some of the soft skills, um, some of the, the social skills. So the question why m- might be useful as well. You know, so-and-so said this or somebody did that. And, and so it's looking at the idea of 
almost empathy. Well, why? You know, what do you think is motivating that that decision? And starting to look at that that higher level development of the interactions between people, because you know we look a lot at at compromise, we look a lot at teamwork, and a, a lot of those softer skills are are going to be really crucial moving forward in their education, but also in their life and their career. So for me, the question why would be a brilliant one. And I imagine then, Rachel, you mentioned about children in, in year one. I imagine that you see significant changes in children as they get older and go up to year six and then leave the school. Tell me a bit about those changes and differences that you see there. Yeah, I mean, they develop the skills they need for future life, so you can see it progressing. I mean, I, I think the pride that we have in the year six pupils when they finish is phenomenal. And the families come together at speech day. And I think a lot of the the things that the parents see, and and in a way, you only see it looking back. Uh, it, it's kind of hard to see that progress going forward because it's very subtle uh, from year one to year two. Yeah, they've gone up a couple of shoe sizes. Yeah, their old jumper doesn't fit anymore. And, you know, they're reading at this level and now they know their threes times tables. And, you know, that sort of thing does occur. But it's amazing how on speech day, when they're when they're considering their career, I suppose at Broughton, and they're looking back and they're thinking, you know, my son or daughter maybe learned to walk here. They learned how to count. They've learned their phonics and their reading now. They, you know, and then they've taken all of these things to that level where they're able to sit what would be an incredibly challenging exam, even for adults, even for you know all of us listening. That that eleven plus exam, some of those entrance exams would would definitely catch out many of us, and they're able to do that with confidence. They're able to have the resilience to win or lose with equal grace. And so, oftentimes, you know, that question for me can only be answered when they kind of look back on that. And it, it, it you know, obviously, the the roots of you know the personality, the person they're going to become at that stage, are already in place when they're three and four and five years old. But I think through what we do here at school, you know, that tree grows all those branches of uh, having all those interests and curiosities. And we take the, the things that they had initially, which perhaps was just a question to start with, and turn it into something that's, you know, for them, many of them, they take pride in, delight, uh, many, many years of, of joy in the thing that's, you know, the things that they've learned here. So I, I think that's really for me, it's looking back. And Rachel, how do you find when the children leave at the end of year six and they go on to a different school, how does that feel for you seeing these children that you've known for a number of years uh, grow, growing up through school and, and then you see them leave? Yeah, it feels remarkable. It's a double-edged sword because we grow these children, as Jeremy's rightly pointed out, you know, some of them for a number, number of years, some of them start as babies and come all the way through the Broughton journey. So saying goodbye to families and children is difficult, but we know, we know they're prepared. We know they will, I always say to them, carry that brought in spirit inside of their heart and wherever they go, they'll take it with them. And that's what we've given them. And that's something to be really, really proud of. So of course we're proud of the individuals, but it's more that we're proud to see them branch out. I mean, gosh, a lot of them now over our time here are young adults out there in the real world, probably working or maybe at university. And, you know, I'm, I know that they'll have that brought in spirit inside of them forever. Well, hey, here's an idea. Maybe at some point on a future episode of the podcast, we should invite a couple of them back on. Some of those who've left the school a long time ago, who are now at university, get them back onto the podcast and we, they, can, they can talk about their days. Yeah, it'd be really good to hear from yeah. them as well. Really good to hear from them. It would. 
And of course, the whole idea of this podcast is really about letting people find out more about the whole school community. So not just from you two, but other members of staff, the children who are in school, some of the parents, maybe ask some asking some of the parents to come on to a future episode. So if anyone's listening to this right now and would like to be on a future episode, then it'd be great to talk to talk to them about that. Um, but tell me, here we are, you know, in 2023, 2024, tell me a bit about why you feel it's important for head teachers in a school to be more approachable. I'm thinking back to, you know, if you go back 50 years or so, then the head teacher would be often tucked away in an office somewhere and far less approachable than today. Tell me about that difference. Yeah, I think it's a lot to do with community. I think it's a lot to do with the fact that you're the head is a Yes, we're leading and yes, we do need to sit in our office sometimes. But, you know, we are out there as part of this community and it's the community that matters. We're here for the family. We provide all round care, uh, you know, wraparound beginning of day and after the school day, etc. And holiday play schemes and all of that because we have that sort of family in mind. We're family people ourselves. We like to meet and greet the parents in the mornings and evenings. You know, it's important. It's important that the children see that. It's important that the parents have that. And that way, when there is things to talk about or discuss, you know about a child they can come in at any point and speak to us and we're both very open people that that embrace that and we know that that's how society works and we know that that's what's expected in this day and age social media you know we've got everything online you can look at our website but it doesn't give you the true picture it doesn't give you who we are the sentiment of the school you know the feel for it in real life so it's important that heads have that sort of relationship and make it open with parents so just on that note then if anyone's listening to this and maybe they don't know you maybe maybe they are prospective parents they're looking around at different schools for their children and they wanted to find out more about the school wanted to talk to you maybe they're current parents right now and they they they, they don't actually know the best way of speaking to you what is the best way for people to get in touch with either of you two well if they want to do it formally they can go through mrs Pugh at info at bm prep but obviously as i say we're available at the start and end of days to chat with people if necessary or come in and make an appointment um prospective parents both one or other or sometimes both of us show around we'll have a meeting in our study and have a chat about the children and and that we sort of introduce ourselves in a personal way so to be honest with you it's an open door just come on in and see us well, it sounds like a very welcoming thing in that case. Um, keeping an eye on time, I need to bring this episode to a close now. But uh, Rachel and Jeremy, it's been really good talking to you both. Um, any final words before we close this podcast episode off? I, I was hoping, Simon, and this is kind of a, a, a plug <laughs> for a future uh, opportunity. Um, I was hoping to announce the, the, the relaunch of our Parent Teachers Association, uh, which will be coming up in a couple of weeks' time. We have uh, an amazing, amazing, talented young lady, Cam Durami, uh, who as the DEI coordinator for the school, is going to be asking people who have a real heart for diversity, equality, and inclusion to join our PTA this year because our main objective is going to be about representation of our community across our school. So really, we're looking for people who have a heart for a, a passion for, you know, culture and, um, you know, different ethnic groups being represented fully around our school, the children feeling as though they have a voice and, a, and, a, and, and their way of life is just fully represented in the school. And I just want people to be aware that that will be coming up over the next couple of weeks. Please come along to our initial meeting. Your voice is important. We want to hear from you and just make this thing just an amazing community group to help with, uh, you know, that aspect of our school going forward. Well, it's a great thing to keep an eye out for. And anyone listening to that, uh, then do feel encouraged to 
uh, to speak to Rachel and Jeremy about that or anybody else in school for that matter. But for the moment, Mr. and Mrs. Smith, uh, thank you both for being here. It's been great talking to the head teachers at Broughton Prep and I've really appreciated your time being here today. Thank you so much. Thank you. All right. Thank you, Simon. So that was Rachel and Jeremy Smith talking all about what life at Broughton Manor is really like. Super glad to have them on the podcast and a big thank you to them for joining the opening episode. Future episodes will feature other people in the school community, but if you have any requests, then do let the school know and I'm sure they'll be happy to accommodate. Meanwhile, our next episode is coming out soon, but thank you for listening to this one. Don't forget to follow or subscribe so you can stay in touch and we look forward to seeing you next time. Bye for now.